Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Tension. Tension. How many of you have been under some tension the last six months, eight months? Tension might be the theme word for like 2020. Just a little bit of tension. And so our series is on living in the in-between, living in that tension of life. It's the, the tension of what we hope for, but what we're not experiencing. Today, I want to talk about fulfilled yet frustrated. Fulfilled yet frustrated. You know, you can have fulfillment in life and still experience frustration in life. You can have areas that are very, uh, that are going very well and at the same time can be very frustrating. And uh, life, life is filled with tension. I like that Andy Stanley says this so well. Much of life is not a problem to be solved, but a tension to be managed. It's not, everything doesn't need to be solved. Just, just look to the person and say, I don't need to be completely solved. I, you know, there's tension is the pressure that we feel as we're living between our ideals and our, our experiences. As we, as we live between what we want to see and then the actual experience of what we're having day to day. It's what we want to feel and what we actually feel. It's the now and it's the not yet of what God is going to do. And uh, when we live it, when we, when it comes to our faith, we live in this constant tension. We live in the we, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're a part of the world, yet the world is not where we get our identity from. It's important to remember that, especially in election time. It's not even our election, and it seems to be everywhere. <clears throat> you know, the we, we this means we have to effectively learn how to manage the influence of the world around us so that it doesn't shape us, so that our feelings don't get shaped by media, by the news, by what's going on around us. We learn to manage this tension. See, tension managed well produces healthy, strong living. Ten tension managed well. You know, the, when it, we, we can look at tension and think it's all bad, but it's not all bad. You know, when you, when you go to the gym, you're putting your body under tension. And the, the, the result of that tension is you actually become stronger. But tension, too much tension the wrong way can, can leave us weaker. It's how we manage that tension that's important. Our goal is not to eliminate tension, but it's to manage tension so it brings out the best in us and in our lives. And uh, last week, I had invited some friends over to my house. It was less than 15. And I invited some friends over to my house to take part in an experience of tension. And uh, this, is, this is great. We had some real troopers. And uh, I could explain more, but the video that uh, we're going to show you right now is pretty much going to be self-explanatory. So you can just watch this. All right, welcome to my garage. And uh, we are going to kick off this new series on tensions with uh, illustrated 
message that you can watch some real tension in real life. And uh, one of the things that I have started to do in this season is uh, uh, started to do this thing called an ice bath. And so what we've got here is we have a deep freeze that is filled with ice and water. I gotta break up the ice because it's too thick. And so you can see that this water is cold. Tension, sometimes there's no avoiding it. Sometimes we just have situations in life and there, there's things, sometimes life we can look at it as a, a problem to avoid or, or a tension to manage. And so this is, this is a, a tension to be managed. And what this does is the, the ice, submerging yourself in ice cold water, it actually triggers the same response as an anxiety attack triggers in your body. And so I have invited some friends over to experience the triggering of anxiety in my garage. Okay, so that's, if you look here, 1.8 degrees. Okay. Pastor. 
So you might ask the question, why would a person intentionally expose himself to intentional anxiety? Yeah. And so there, there is actually a number of reasons that you would do this. One of them is it can decrease inflammation. It can uh, boost your immune system and your immune response. It aids in burning fat, yay. It can strengthen your central nervous system. And then one of the things that it also does is it helps train your body and your brain how to handle anxiety. You've watched the reactions of those who have gone before me as they, as they got in, and I looked like every single one of them. I looked exactly the same when I started this. But now as I get in here, I can actually separate the anxiety response and shut it off. And it's the same response as a panic attack. It's the same response as stress when something goes wrong. It helps you learn how to control tension. And the value of that tension is a boosted immune response, uh, lowered inflammation, and uh, one of the things that it does is it stimulates the vagus nerve. It's a nerve that goes all throughout your body. It's part of your parasympathetic nerve system. And as that, as that nerve goes through, it affects your digestion, your heart rate, your lungs, your liver, your kidneys, your spleen. It affects all areas of your life. When it's healthy, you have better blood sugar ratios. Your, your blood sugar stays more controlled. It helps, uh, it helps with your digestive system. It also helps with the production of serotonin, which, uh, you know, the, the anxiety response is a fight or flight response, but your vagus nerve system actually controls your rest and digest system. And the serotonin, that helps you experience peace. It helps you enjoy your life and enjoy the situations that you're in. How many want to come over? And <laughs> there's a few. I know there's a few that would be like, yeah, I'd, I would totally do that. And uh, it's, it's uh, you know, the greatest benefit that, that comes from the, the cry, I'll call it cryo-immersion therapy, is uh, it actually comes after five minutes. So five to seven minutes is kind of like the golden time. And uh, there's nothing you can do the first time you get in there to control your response, like the, the deep breathing, the panic, you can't stop it. It doesn't, it, doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter how good your willpower is, you cannot stop that response. But over time, you actually learn to control that response. You learn to manage the tension. When it comes to life, we need to learn how to manage the tension. We need to learn how to manage the tension that comes in life in a healthy way that ends up actually working to our benefit. And so this is, this is some key words written from a guy who, who is pretty smart. It was the Apostle Paul. And uh, it's in Philippians chapter 4. And he, he said this, Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are, anoint you are united with the anointed one. And then he goes on to say later, I know what it means to lack. I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger, whether in stress. That's not in there. I just added that. <clears throat> And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. I love this. I, I have learned, I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. Here he is talking about, I, I've, I've learned how to be 
fulfilled even when I'm frustrated. I've learned, now, when we watch people who say I've learned the secret, they're usually doing it from their, their private, you know, the private jet is in the background on their private island in the Caribbean. Like, that's the, those are the people we want to listen to who've learned the secrets. Paul was writing this from prison. Paul, who was called to take the gospel to the world and plant churches throughout the world, was in prison. And he's saying, I've learned the secret to being fulfilled. He's being hindered in his very purpose, what he would consider his very purpose on the earth. And yet he's saying, I've learned the secret. Now, now you and I wouldn't tune into a podcast by somebody who's saying, I've learned the secret to living, who's podcasting from prison. (laughs) We would say, maybe you don't know the secret. You know, if you look at the life of Paul, he, he took the, you know, he, he basically planted the church on planet Earth in that generation. He, he took and he started the church all throughout, all throughout the, the world beyond, um, beyond Israel. And he was, he was a doer. He was, if there was ever a person who was a high achiever, Paul was a high achiever. He would threaten most of us. We would just, we would just think this, this guy's just a little too productive for my comfort. And yet, if he hadn't been put in prison, if he hadn't experienced the frustration of prison, we wouldn't have experienced the fulfillment of the New Testament. Because it was in prison that he wrote the New Testament. Or not, not the entire New Testament, but a, but a very significant portion of the New Testament came from Paul when he wrote in prison. And so that frustration, even if, if all he could focus on was, I am stuck in this situation that I hate, not able to do what I'm supposed to be doing, we, he could have missed this entire opportunity of literally thousands of years of influence and thousands of years of, of, his, of his teaching going, going and, and transforming the lives of people, I would say he did learn the secret to fulfillment. And it's thrive where you're at. It's thrive where you're at. Frustrations don't have to be negative. They can bring out the best in our lives. And when we allow, when we manage... The, when we manage them well, they can bring us to a healthier, stronger place. See, we, have the, we, have, we just have to guard that we don't get focused just on the frustration. That we don't allow the negative to overtake us and manage those frustrations in a way that they don't hijack our soul and our relationships and our purpose. So what are some causes of negative frustration? What's, what are causes of things that, uh, that can cause us to get stuck in the negative? And I think, you know, this is, these are the ones that we have to just keep in check. One is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Now, this can relate to just provision. This could be something, I thought I would have more. I thought I would be doing better in my career. I thought I would have a career. I thought... 
I thought things would work out better. Unmet expectations can be a source of very negative frustration. We can get stuck in those expectations. Sometimes it's, it comes right down to, I thought God told me to do this and it failed. Sometimes it's relational expectations. I thought this, this friendship would meet my need, or I thought, this, I thought my spouse would meet my need, or th- that they would do this for me, or that this relationship would be better than it is. Marriage, family, friendships, you know, the greatest moments of fulfillment will come through those things. You want to know a secret? Your greatest moments of frustration will also come through those relationships. John the Baptist, as he's sitting in prison, you can tell he's frustrated because he sends his disciples to Jesus and he, he says, ask Jesus this question. Are you the one or should we expect another? If people were frustrated with Jesus, we're going to be frustrated with each other. You know, unmet expectations. Expectation is a powerful motivating force. But don't allow your expectation to become your God. Don't allow what you expect. Don't let your faith ride on your expectations. There's always got to be a part of us that understands, I might not, my expectations might not be right. They might not be on the right things. I like this, this saying, or this quote here from, uh, I, th- I think it's Jean Vanier. It's a, he said this, communities need tensions if they're to grow and deepen. Tensions come from conflicts. A tension or difficulty can sig- signal the approach of a new grace of God. But it has to be looked at wisely and humanly. We need tension to grow. We need Tension to deepen in our relationships. Tension is an opportunity to experience the grace of God in our life in a new way. Tension is good. What's another thing that causes frustration? Well, I think envy. I think envy causes actually a lot of frustration in in the world around us, especially in our modern world. And James talked about envy in James chapter 4. He said, what's the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the, ba- the battle begin inside you, inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? We fight to have our own way and fulfill our own desires. That's just like, you could just take that straight out of Facebook. And all the time, You don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. And if you ask, you won't receive it for your asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your selfish desires. Uh, One one translation says this, you don't ask God because you know God's not going to give it to you. Basically, we're not asking because we know he doesn't really want us to have it. Envy. All advertising is designed to feed the fuel of envy in your life. Advertising, and it's designed to bring our focus to that which we lack. That's what advertising is designed to do. And it's doing it with the goal of selling you something. When our focus continually returns to what we don't have, our desires are going to continually be frustrated. Whether we're looking at other people's possessions 
whether we're looking at their careers or their marriage or their relationships, when our focus is on what we don't have, then we actually fail to appreciate what we do have. And we, we miss the fulfillment that's around us because we get stuck in the frustration of that which we don't have in our lives. And so I want to I wanna finish this message off with a couple of spiritual practices for building fulfillment in our lives. Spiritual practices for building fulfillment in our lives. Uh, the first, that first practice I want to I give us today is prayer. The, this, the act of prayer is, well, let's look at what Paul said in Philippians. Don't worry or fret. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Just take that word worries and turn it into frustrations. Let petitions and praises shape your frustrations into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. That's what prayer is. Prayer is not just us telling God about our frustrations. Lord, I would like this. Lord, I would like that. Prayer is allowing ourselves to open into a open up a conversation with our creator in a way that allows him to shape our hearts into that which he wants us to become let the frustra- let frustration be a pull to prayer and communion with god rather than than allowing your life to be filled with the stress of unmet expectations you're supposed to be frustrated You're supposed to feel the lack in areas of your life. And that frustration, it can either lead us to a negative place or that we can allow that frustration to to build a hunger in us for something greater. Build that hunger for, for the eternal. The frustration we feel is because there's a part of us that can only be satisfied by God himself. And when we, look at, when we look at the world to satisfy that, we're, just, we're actually setting ourselves up for more frustration, to experience more frustration. And then the, the second practice I want to just uh, encourage us with this, and we've, we talked about this earlier in the year, is the practice of simplicity. The practice of simplicity. Now, it, our, our modern world would call this minimalism, but... That's really more minimalism of stuff, which is an important thing. But there's a simplicity that comes to life that, that we, can, we can apply broad spectrum across our lives. The spiritual practice of simplicity allows us to not give in to the frustration of unmet expectations, whether relationally, spiritually, or, or in our material lives. It's, simplicity is finding joy in that which we have, rather than feeding the fuel of frustration of wanting more. Simplicity in relationships is refusing to place overly complicated expectations on those around us, which create tense, frustrating situations for everyone involved. You don't have to put your hand up if that's you. We're going to talk, actually in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about this one a little bit more because it's a, a little too complicated to hit quickly. 
we live with chronically unfulfilled desires. Wisdom comes in knowing that trying to walk the path of fulfilling those desires is, will actually never lead to satisfaction. Everything in the, in the media world, in the advertising world, it's actually designed to make you frustrated. It's the, 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 the intent of it is to make you unhappy with your life. And the goal of making you unhappy is they then show you something and tell you this, if you buy this, this will make you happy. And it's, that's the driving force behind, behind all advertising. It's created, it's created to, to create, it's designed to create a consumption mentality in us that, that we become uh, insatiable, that our, that our appetite for more just keeps growing and growing. Interesting, Jesus warned us more about the trap of money and possessions than he warned us about Satan. Think about that for a minute. He, he warned us more about money and possessions than he warned us about Satan. Luke 12, 15, watch out. When Jesus says watch out, what does that mean? <laughs> it means watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Be on your guard. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. There's never been a generation where this hasn't applied. In our generation is defined happiness as making lots of money and having lots of stuff. Advertising shows people having lots of stuff making lots of money. And if, if you get the stuff, you will be happy as well. You'll be fulfilled. It's interesting. We, we have a lot of talk about propaganda these days. Have you noticed that the, the theme of propaganda is coming up in the news all the time now? And on the Facebook feeds, you know, it's always, uh, it's, it's, it's always the government that's doing propaganda. I'll tell you, we have been surrounded with propaganda our entire lives. And it's called advertising. And it's the most prolific form of propaganda that has ever existed on the planet Earth. And yet most of us don't recognize it on a day-to-day -day basis. But it's the propaganda of advertisers trying to convince you this will make you happy. This will make you fulfilled. This will bring satisfaction to your life when in fact none of it will. Jesus said, Mark, Mark chapter 4, he said, The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness. It's a great word, deceitful. Wealth is deceitful. It promises one thing but gives something else. That's what deceitful is. I say I'm going to do one thing, but I actually do something completely different that has, a, has a, a completely different effect. Wealth is deceitful. It promises to satisfy us, but in the end, it actually strangles us. That's a lousy relationship. Promises to satisfy, but in the end, it strangles. The French sociologist, I'm probably going to get this name wrong, uh, Jean Baudrillard, 
None of you know who it is anyways, so if I mispronounced your name, Jean, I'm sorry. <clears throat> he said this, he said, in the Western world, materialism has become the new dominant system of meaning. Atheism has not replaced cultural Christianity. Shopping has. I thought that was a wow statement too. It's a very good statement. We now receive our meaning from what we consume. Dallas Willard, the theologian, great guy to read if you're wanting something to read. He said, this desire is infinite, partly because we were made by God. We were made for God and we were made to need God. We were made to run on God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to supply all our needs. We are only at home in God. When we fall away from God, the desire for the infinite remains, but it's displaced among things upon things that will most certainly lead to our destruction. See, simplicity, it's not living in poverty or living with nothing. Simplicity is living with less so we can give our energy to the things that matter more. It's, simplicity is about making sure our efforts are going into the right things. It's the intentional promotion of the things we, we most value and the removal of everything that distracts us from them. The people around us that, val that, we, that are of the most value. We're not just trying to declutter our garage or our house by practicing simplicity. We're trying to declutter our souls. We're trying to declutter our lives. So how... Here's some quick points on how to grow in simplicity. And this is just going to be really practical. One is keep a budget. A budget will do for your money what a schedule does for your time. Keep a budget. Because if there's so much frustration that's experienced because of out-of-control spending, because of out-of-control budgets, just make a commitment. I'll never impulse buy. That's a tough one, isn't it? as you walk down the aisles of Costco. And you see, I need that. I didn't know that existed 30 seconds ago, but now I need that. I will be fulfilled if I just get these Christmas-scented essential oils. I did that, by the way, sorry. I saw it. It's like, I like Christmas smells. This will make me happy. It doesn't make me happy. Here's, here's another. Recognize advertising for what it is. It's propaganda. It is propaganda. It is someone's agenda being forced upon you. It's being presented very beautifully, but it's still propaganda. S name it out loud. When you see that advertisement for that outfit, for that purse, that $600 driver, just say, you will not make me happy. You will not make me happy. Saying it out loud is actually important because it programs your brain. It, it re, sometimes it reprograms your brain. The third is cultivate a deep appreciation for creation. John Eldridge calls this drinking beauty. Learn to just love what God has given us in its most majestic form. This week I was, I was out hunting on Monday and I got a scene as the sun was coming up. How beautiful is that? It's in the Battle River Valley out in Brownfield. 
And, uh, you know, you can't buy that. Just learn to appreciate beauty. Stop and admire beauty. Stop and take a moment. And the fourth is cultivate a deep appreciation for simple pleasures. The smell of a cup of coffee. Sometimes a meal with a friend or a meal with your family. A quiet moment in the house or a quiet moment where you don't have to, instead of filling it with busyness, just take a, take a moment and allow God's presence to fill that moment. Just take a moment and talk to him. Allow, allow our lives to be filled with something other than desire for more. But allow ourselves to experience the fullness of what God has given to us. Let's stand up. Tension's not good. Tension's not bad. But tension is good or bad according to the way that we manage it. And uh, if we just want to bow our heads, I want to just pray. Pray for us today. If you're here and there's, there's areas of tension that have been out of control, you can just, you can just join me in prayer as, as I pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you've given us peace. You've given us your peace. It's a peace that's not based on uh, our circumstance in the world, but it's based on your love for us. It's based on the fact you're with us. You've said you will be with us in every situation. And Father, whether, whether people are in the building or whether they're watching online right now, they're experiencing that tension, the frustration of tension. I pray peace into their lives. Father, I pray for your peace to settle on their lives, settle in their homes, settle on the situations. And Father, I pray that in each of our lives, you would give us a new perspective of those frustrating situations and allow us to see, allow us to see those situations as an opportunity for you to pour a new grace, your grace into our lives, to experience you in a greater and deeper and more profound way. And I'm just gonna pray another prayer right now and it's a prayer saying yes to following Jesus. And if you're here and you wanna pray that prayer, maybe you've never prayed that before, I would invite you to just join me or maybe you're watching online right now and you're thinking, you know, I have never said yes to Jesus. His invitation for us is to come and follow him, to experience life the way he intended to. And if you're saying, I would like to pray that prayer today, then you can just join me as we pray. Jesus, I say yes to you. Would you come into my life? I wanna follow you. I want to follow your plan and your purpose for my life. Would you come and lead me in your ways? In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.